Hi, this is Zoe Routh, and this is the Zoe Routh Leadership Podcast, where I love to work with CEOs and their teams on their people stuff in leadership. It's always such a joy to discover new insights and new ways of tackling the people stuff. And uh, my guest today is James Burgle. He is Datto's VP of Sales for the Asia-Pacific region. Now, Data is a unicorn. It's an organization that went from startup to a billion-dollar market value as a private business, not a public one. And James was responsible for setting up the Australian wing of the company and grew it from ground zero to 80 people. And in our conversation today, we explore what worked. How did he go about doing that? What's his philosophy and leadership, and how does he build great culture? And uh, I think what you'll find is... James is a genuine, earnest kind of bloke, and he's really interested in people and has some wonderful, valuable insights to offer in terms of his experience. And also listen and watch as he showcases how he goes about learning about himself as a leader and what that's meant for his journey. If you enjoy this webcast, webcast, podcast, <laughs> please share. It's one of the ways I can help build the audience and get more great stories like James's out to the world to help make leadership better. So if you like it, please press share. In the meantime, let's do it. James, welcome to the show. I am delighted to have you on the call and I'm looking forward to this conversation immensely. Thank you very much, Zoe. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here and thank you very much for having me. I'm excited as well. <laughs> we have a lot in common. So just before we hit record, we were sharing uh, our biohacking obsessions and interests and <laughs> sharing our instruments of torture for mobility. Um, the other thing we have in common is that we ain't from Australia. And the first thing people were going to notice is your accent. Tell us where are you from? That's right. So I moved to Australia um, just shy of seven years ago now. And, uh, and I usually get people coming up and say, what part of England are you from? Um, so I do have a, a British accent, but I'm actually from Bermuda. So born and raised in a little island called Bermuda, which is just off the, the east coast of, of New York. Uh, or actually close to South Carolina. Um, but um, it's more American there. I then went away to school, at boarding school at the age of 13. So I've, I've got the British accent and then I've got the American twang as well. And um, after a, a frothy or two over here, there's a, the odd Aussie word comes out as well. But uh, a bit, bit of a mongrel. What is a frothy? Is that like a, is that a Bermudian or is that a British expression? So that was me trying to be a little bit Aussie, but that's, that's apparently <laughs> a beer. That's like the Aussie term for a beer. You have a frothy. Is I, it? What, okay. Yeah, that's what someone offered me the other day. That's what I assumed it was, at least. So, <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Well, I'm Canadian originally, so what the hell do I know? <laughs> I'm still learning expressions. I think we were joking about this yesterday in our preview call about how to pronounce water. And me trying to pronounce water comes out very funny, like water. <laughs> and likewise... Yeah, that's what I, I can't, it's my R's. So when I say water, it's, I sound probably more American. Water, it's the, the R's I can't pronounce properly. Or I sound like a farmer from the UK. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's, that's one of the ones I struggle with as well. Yeah, okay. Well, being understood and being heard is really important in leadership. How good was that segue? <laughs> Perfect. <Love it. laughs> so you've had lots of interesting uh, leadership positions and really interesting experiences in terms of building up business. Now you're part of Datto, which... I saw it was listed as a unicorn, dot, 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 that magical, magical experience. Were you with Datto from the beginning? Um, I was not uh, with Datto from the beginning of uh, conception. So that is an American company headquartered out of Connecticut um, in the US. I, uh, I came on board in 2015 um, as effectively the first hire here in Australia for Datto. 
Um, so I've had the opportunity to build that up from, from the ground up. But um, yeah, we do have that unicorn status, which I think is something along the lines of going from zero to billion dollar valuation from startup. So, so that's something which, uh, which does get floated about a little bit. I think it's as a, as a private company too, right? That's right, as a private company. Yeah, right. And so you've, you've headed up the development of Dado in Australia since you hit the ground, basically. And along the way, I'm guessing there have been a few leadership challenges and experiences. As somebody who's been successful in your role, I'm guessing you've been successful in your role, how do you define leadership? So leadership, to me, is really about getting the most out of people. It's about shining a light on, on where you're looking to go and coaching and motivating the team around you to get there in the most authentic way they can that achieves results as well. So it's about carving a, a path that's helping people to, to go out there and achieve goals and that they probably didn't even think were possible themselves um, and really getting them to, to deliver results that, that are extraordinary. And it sounds like you've had extraordinary results in your career pathway. I'm interested in the chosen field of sales. Like, how do you end up in sales? It's, a, it's an interesting question. Uh, um, I was just thinking back. So I graduated um, from university in the UK in 2008. And I was one of the, I guess, the, the later people to actually go through the application process. So I, I was a, I've always been a bit of a last minute guy, as, as you may pick up from time to time. But I knew at the time I wanted to get into some sort of consultancy role that involved you know, interactions with people and perhaps that was sales. And I also wanted to get yeah, paid as quite a bit of money as well. So, you know, that was me as a, as a 22, 23 year old graduate at the time thinking, what can I do where I can, I can make some good money to live a good lifestyle and, and do something I enjoy. And I didn't know that that was sales and I didn't know that that was IT sales. Um, and I actually stumbled into a software sales um, organization. I started my career at a company called SAP, which is a, is a large software firm globally. And that was a fantastic segue for me to to get into the IT industry and also into sales as well. So I guess I, on paper, it looked good. You could go out there and I, I definitely am motivated for a challenge. And also at, at the time, my perspective has probably changed a little bit now, but like the option to, you know, the harder you work, the more money you can make that, that appealed to me. Like having, I, I still today get a little bit of adrenaline around thinking like there's, there's, I can write my own paycheck if I want to. So, so that was something that I found exciting at the time. And, and I, I, um, you know, had a couple of roles in my earlier career where I, I shifted from being more in a, a sales associate role and having access to different divisions within SAP to, um, to landing myself a role in, um, in a company called Autotask. And that was where I really learned to cut my teeth on sales and sort of carved out my sales career. Um, and I kind of went from, I guess I like to say strength to strength. And I've been at it ever since. And I, I'm not a, um, I guess, in the field uh, as an individual contributor today. Um, I'm leading a team and I have sales managers that are, that are working my team as well. But I still I still love being in front of customers. I still love um, being on the ground and doing sales calls and speaking to customers and helping to do deals and structure conversations, et cetera. Like I'm still motivated. That excites me probably more than sitting in the back office um, doing some of the, the less customer facing stuff. But uh, I guess that's a little bit of a, a story in, in terms of how I got into it. So I want to pick up on one thing you mentioned that near the beginning, which is earlier on, it would be motivated by you can cut your own paycheck, the harder you work, the harder you earn. Mm. Was that something that you've shifted perspective on that aspect of sales? Or what were you alluding to specifically? Yeah, it's it has shifted. Because I think when you're at university, you don't have any money. And you think if I had lots of money, I could buy all of these nice things. 
And, and then you go through a phase of, um, I, I think what you do is you're, you're looking for, you think those things give you happiness um, and joy and they give you sort of instant gratification if you can buy a new toy or a new car or a new shiny object to play with. Um, but after a few years in sales of, of having success, you, you, you make the nice commissions checks and then you buy the toys and the cars and the holidays and you get back and you're like, oh, is that it? Like, what else is is there out there? What 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 is like? You're always thinking, what next? What next can I earn? And and then I had this realization that actually, like, money is not the main motivator um, of me, and and money is not the main motivator of sales reps either. Um, it's it's what what this is like. This is radical news for me. What do you mean it's not the main motivator? Tell me more. So, so a lot of people um, think that that sales people are, are sort of coin operated. Um, you know, you put a coin in and you get a result at the back side of it. And we joke about that in the office at times. But, you know, I, I run a, a sales team of, of young, I probably shouldn't say the word young, but, but certainly youthful out of university, you know, uh, men and women. And they're extremely driven, extremely smart. But, uh, and I did a survey on this, actually. I, I, was, I was doing some own research, research for a, a presentation I was doing. And, and I, I said, what do you put in terms of the, the most uh, important aspect of your role in sales? Uh, and I think that commission and money came second or third. It's actually the sense of accomplishment. It's a sense of building something that actually was ahead of that. So the money needs to be there, but that is not really the main motivator. And I think if you're a, a sales manager, a leader, or even a, a business leader that's looking to motivate salespeople, you know, the money gets you through the door, but you really need to put, um, and if you want to motivate and lead a team, you need to put, you, you need to really understand what is going to help them to, to perform at their best and, and to drive results. And um, it, it's typically for us, it's, it's career progression. It's about being a part of a team. It's about the autonomy to, to learn. Um, to go out there and try try new things and, and, and in the comfort of knowing that you're, you won't be reprimanded if you mess up. And then, you know, if you do well, again, then you, you receive a nice paycheck. But yeah, money is, is, is not the, the most important. And I learned that actually once I'd made money in sales, I, I bought the things I wanted and I realized actually for me, it's, it's, uh, it's a much bigger realization and, uh, and goal is, is, is to, to accomplish something meaningful and build something that I can put my stamp on and uh, really kind of leaves a legacy uh, behind. So that, that's, that's what is motivate, motivates me. And I really believe that that's particularly in, in software and solution sales, what motivates a lot of other people as well. That's a really lovely insight to, to notice that progression in yourself and to see that in others. It's a big step to go from managing yourself, managing your own agenda and your own results as a sales professional or any kind of professional to then leading a team. So tell me what your first experience was of jumping in and having a team to, to lead. When I moved from London to Sydney, um, I was with a company um, called Soloins. And my first role for the first six to 12 months was what I describe as a, as a player coach. So I, was, um, I had a quota that I, was, I, was, um, I had to hit. And I was also responsible for managing and, and leading the team. And I, I definitely think there's a difference between management and, and leadership. But there is a, a shift because as a, as a sales rep, you're in a good way, you're selfish. You're focused on what can I do to achieve my goals or my customers' goals or um, achieve the, 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 the mandate that's set out in front of me. Whereby when you make that shift, you actually, it's not about what's in it for me. It's how, how can I help those around me? How can I help my team? to hit their goals and objectives. Um, so you go from, I remember thinking, oh, I've just, I've done all of these deals for, for the team or supported them and they're the ones getting paid the commission check and I'm not. And that's something which it, you go, oh, hang on, that's not what my role is anymore. And then that's sort of after you, you, you spend a little bit more time in the, the management and the leadership side, 
um, like it doesn't even cross your mind. Like you're just happy if you watch your team win um, and, and be successful. So that, that was a, an initial shift from just noticing, oh, it's, it's, it's not about me. I'm, the, I'm not the one that gets recognition. Your role is to promote everyone around you within the organization, make everyone else look good, help make everyone else achieve their goals and objectives. And, and the, the, another interesting piece is your boss is looking at the success of the business unit, not necessarily the success of individuals. So if your business unit does really well, they come to you and say, thanks for doing a good job. They don't go to your team and say, thanks for doing a good job. So it's that recognition that you've, you've just got to continually focus on, on taking obstacles out of those around you and putting them in a position to score. What was the hardest thing that you learned in that transition? Uh, you know, taxfully, one of the things that I, I had to do when I was now running and building a team was, was on hiring salespeople. And they, uh, I was told, right, go off and hire some sales reps. I didn't have a clue what to look for. There isn't necessarily a, a one way to do sales and uh, one profile um, is, is the one that you're looking for. So what I learned is I made mistakes in the early days. I listened to people, what people were, were telling me. They said, yes, I'm willing to work hard. I love picking up the phone and making cold calls. And, and I realized that once... But did people really say that? <laughs> yeah, some people say... I love people, cold calls. Yeah, I love cold calling. Yeah, or some say, look, it's just a part of the job. I'm happy to get in there and do it. No, no problem at all. And then you hire them and they're sitting there not, not making any cold calls. <laughs> So one of the things that I, I learned was, was really um, like from bringing people into the organization was looking at um, not what they say, but what, what are their characteristics? What's the, like, how are they interacting? And I'm looking for, I'm looking for characteristics and potential as opposed to necessarily like what they just say or what it says on their CV. Like I'll rarely actually look at a CV in detail before I speak to someone um, because I really feel that I can, I can get a good read of, of their capabilities from a skill set perspective in terms of their characteristics of how they engage in the, in the conversations. Mm. So that was, that was a, a learning point where I made some mistakes early on going from just being an individual contributor, thinking about, you know, what you need to do to, to beginning to build a team and, and then lead a team. What do you think your strengths are in terms of, well, I guess it's it translates well from sales into team leadership because sales is all about relationships and leadership is also all about relationships. What do you think are your strong points in that area? One of the things that I'm super proud of um, at Data, where I am now, is, is the team that we've got in place. One of the, uh, the things I'm proud of is 80% of the first hires that I hired around five years ago are still all within the business, straight out of university. And they've had, you know, this is their fourth, fifth year as their first job um, out of university and still with me and all of them have been, have been promoted within the organization. So one of the things that that leads me to think is in terms of like what we do well or what, what I potentially do well is, is the ability to, to motivate the team and provide meaning to them. Um, the younger generation, whether it's millennials or uh, the Y generation that's coming through, is it Y or Z? Zed. Millennials and Y are the same thing. Uh, millennials of Y, so Z, the Z generation, the next ones that are coming through, the way they are brought up today through no fault of their own with the technology is, is they've got a short attention span. And I'm, I put myself in that category as well. So unless you've got something to, to keep you motivated and, and inspired, then you're going to probably look for the next, uh, the next thing to move across to do. Um, so that's something that I would say that that's one of my strengths is, is actually building out that sales team, um, creating a culture where it, it, it very much is like a family there's a, a really tight group of teams within the business and um, we all get on extremely well and it's a flat structure. So 
you know, when we're in the office, you know, love going out and sitting on the floor with them and, and having chats. And why are you sitting on the floor? <laughs> sorry, oh, no, not actually on the floor, but on the sales floor. That's what we call it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, as opposed to in a separate office. So I'll, I'll sit on the sales floor with them and, and just um, just understand like what's working, what's not, how are they uh, how are they getting on. But that's something that that I think is is reasonably unique. Uh, you know, our team is is, is around eighty people um, in Australia and New Zealand now. That's pretty big. Yes, and we've gone from kind of ground zero to um, to sort of eighty people. Uh, of a satellite office in, in just under five years. So uh, that's something I'm proud of. And, and I, I've learned and developed a heck of a lot along the way as well. So I, again, I came in as first hire. I was doing everything from cold calling and door knocking and uh, trying to talk technical, which I'm not very good at doing. But I, I built out this the, the pod around me the, of, of skill sets that um, that was required to to do all of those aspects and and grow the business. And, and I've learned from being the individual contributor to the sales manager to now I, I'm the... Um, regional vice president have got sales managers that are reporting into me so um, just really providing that I guess that vision uh, and, and getting the, the team to buy into that is something which which I'm, I'm proud of and think I've done well. I'm, I'm curious about this one James like with going from zero to 80 people culture becomes extremely important because it's easier to manage a culture well maybe I don't even know it's that true but it, it seems like a smaller team is easier to manage culture than a bigger one were you very intentional and deliberate about growing the culture? And do you, a second part to that is what specific things do you do to embed and nurture the culture? The, the culture is, is absolutely important and a, and a critical part of it. And we interestingly, we hired a, an HR manager uh, probably two years ago now. Um, and, and what I really liked about about his role is, is he said, I'm not HR and people and culture. And, you know, my role is to is to help people and to drive culture within the business so that we can achieve the business objective off the back of that. Um, so that fit for, for Alex, our, our HR uh, business partner, was uh, was really aligned with with what we were trying to do. Certainly when we go through a, a hiring process. We have a framework for what we look for when we're bringing new new staff into the business, and and, and culture fit is is certainly one of those. We've got a philosophy um, in in the business where we we don't tolerate people that that, that, that think they're bigger than the team. Um, so if, if anyone thinks they're particularly talented or anyone actually disrupts the the, the direction of the, the business or the direction of the team, then we have to make a, a quick and easy decision to to exit them from the business because there's there's a risk of, of them disrupting um, the team. So it is important. Um, I think we're, we're on the whole, we're pretty good at it. It's, it's, it's impossible to get it right every time when you're hiring because everyone, people are so, so varied, but we're, we're, I'd say we're very good at hiring on the whole. I believe I probably set the tone for what the culture is, um, but I, I also set the expectation that like my managers are the ones that instill that, and then that the, their teams are also the ones that instill that. So we we try to really have it as a, a DNA um, throughout the entire organization of of what what culture means to us, and um, and 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 what the I guess the morals of, of how we operate as a business and a team really are. So so that is important, and it's it's been hard. Uh, it's been hard uh, beginning uh, trying to scale it, but. It's not. It's been not been as difficult as, as I expected. A couple of people challenged us and said, "You won't have the same team and culture today that you did, um, or in, in two to three years when you grow and be big." Uh, and I have. I take great satisfaction in going back to them and go, "Hey, have a look right now," and they say, "Hat off to you," sort of thing. Um, but I think part of that is making sure that you you instill and you autonomize your your leadership team to 
to go out and, and ensure that that culture is, is fulfilled. Um, so it's not a one person, it, it just it sort of um, you know, intertwines into the entire organization. You've got multiple leaders that are um, encouraging leadership within culture. So it, it just trickles down to the from, the from the top to the bottom and then the, the bottom to the top as well. How do you, how would you describe your culture? The culture is, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a cliche, but like work hard, play hard. Is how we we are. So the, the, the organization is 80, 80 employees in our in our business unit now, roughly, and I would say approximately half of them are, are in a go to market function, so sales, um, sales engineering, lead generation, and then the other half are more in the supporting functions. Um, so the certainly, if I if I talk to the the, the go to market team, we we hire people that are smart, uh, people that are driven, uh, people that are coachable, people that are, are super inquisitive and curious like that's a really important characteristic um and, and also someone's that's culture fit so would i want to hang out with this person in a social environment would i like to go for a beer with them so so that's typically what we're looking for so the the, the folks that come in are um are energetic it's a very team orientated business and we're in this to win it sort of thing like what, what we we want great success and we we want to be number one um and the entire team is, is sort of in sync with that vision and, and achieving that with an underlying tone of, of integrity. So, you know, no one's allowed to, to step over the line and do something that is, is untoward or puts us in a position where we can't hand on heart but our, but our, say that we've, we've done the best thing by, by both our team and the customers. How do you guys measure success? From a, a sales perspective, success is, um, is on paper. It's, it's, it's fairly binary. Like you hit your number, your sales target, or, or you don't. So on one hand, everyone's got a target within their business. That, that, that's a, a, a factor that some people just don't like. And they, they have the skill sets for that. I don't want to have a quota. Every single month, I have to hit that quota. So everyone's got a, a, a number of a sales target of some sort. For me, it's a bit bigger than that. Um, success is, is not just hitting that number. It's, it's on challenging the norm of how business is operated and introducing a new way of doing business. Um, and oh, that's quite big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I, um, I like when we've come in. Like we feel that we've um, have, have changed the the way in which um, vendors like ourselves interact with with uh, with our, our channel community, um, and and setting a new a new pace and a new direction for how business should be done. Um, and for me, being able to, to to go out there and and do something a little bit different. And as an example. And this is it sounds so simple in hindsight, but a lot of people aren't doing this. We sponsor events where we we pay some money to to get an opportunity to present in front of an audience. And uh, most people think if I'm going to be presenting in front of an audience, I'm paying for this time, then I'm going to choose what I'm going to present and I'm going to choose to present on my solution and product so that everyone in that audience knows exactly what my product is, um, how it works and why they should buy it. And if you're a sponsored ship, you're, you're just helping to subsidize the cost of that event. You're not really the, the reason that they've come along. Um, and, and the reality is a lot of people get up there and they do sales pitches and, and no one really likes to, to be sold to and no one likes a sales pitch. Um, and, and this is how many, many of these um, organizations work and it's, it's still the same today. And, and what, what we did is I just, I thought about this and I thought this kind of sucks. Like we're going to go in there, pay this money and they, as soon as we start talking about our products, they switch off and you can see the eyes go over and they roll their eyes and look at each other. So what we did is we went in there and we threw that out the window and we said, we want to, we want to add some value. We want to talk to you about how you can run your businesses more effectively. We want to talk to you about 
Um, and again, we're, we're selling to, to small businesses called managed service providers. So we talk to them about um, hiring and, and running a sales team and about how to build culture within, within their MSP, et cetera. Um, so we're still paying to be there. We're paying to play. But what we've done is we've actually shifted the dynamic from us trying to sell our product to us to actually be seen to be a thought leader in that environment and community. And in return, they start listening and they actually um, end up coming and, and wanting to speak to us further and wanting to do business with us because they see it as a partnership of us actually working together to help them. So, so that's something which we, we've done, uh, I think, really successfully in our market. And, uh, and that's one of the reasons that we've had a lot of success is because we don't, we don't go in there trying to sell. We go in there trying to educate and add value. And off the back of that, they think, you know what, these, this organization, these people are the sort, sort of people that I'd like to work with. So that, that's an example of, of what I think success is when I like, we've, we've changed the way of, of people do business. Like that's pretty cool. It is very cool. And it seems such a basic thing, you know, well, let's show yeah. up and help them. <laughs> yeah. let's, let's give instead of take. And uh, Adam Grant wrote a book, beautiful book about that called Give and Take. And it's the idea that the most successful people are givers. On a side note, the, also the least successful people are also givers. And they're the ones who give like martyrs. <laughs> They give till they're dry. So to be a successful giver, you give. You're ambitious for others, and you're also ambitious for yourself, which it sounds like you're modeling that beautifully in that whole proponent. And you're thinking about the audience first as opposed to what can I get out of this, which brilliant. I love it. Yeah, it's, it sounds so simple. But um, you know, many times I'll go to these IT events and conferences, and I think it's such a shame. Um, you know, some, some organizations and tech companies will get up and just do a product pitch, and it's boring. <laughs> um, you, you, you like engage in a way that you inspire that, that audience member to walk away going, I, I will remember that person, that presenter, because I got something valuable from it. And, and I, I can take a nugget of that presentation and implement it in my business and actually have a profound impact on my business. Thanks to that guy. Let me go figure out what he does, because maybe we can do more together. Yeah. So. so, so far, we've been having high fives about all of your glorious success. Now, every leader knows that no journey of success is that linear and that straightforward. Can you tell me about a time where you stumbled, where you had a failure, where it was looking grim and how you got through it? Sure. So there's been a few over the, over the last few years. Um, I guess if I talk, on, talk about like the first one was we went through a merger. So we, uh, we merged Datto, merged with a company called Autotask and you may recall at the beginning, that was actually where I, I really learned to cut my teeth on eight, eight nine years ago. Um, so full circle, the, the organizations together now just completely coincidentally, which is, uh, which is quite interesting. But that was tough. That was really tough because you brought together two organizations with different cultures, different philosophies. Like that's a, 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 core, a core word. Um, and, and I think it describes it really nicely. Philosophy of how you operate as a business, what you stand for. We had to go through some organizational changes and adjustments and you know, it, either it wasn't right for us or it wasn't right for them. So again, going through that, it was the first time that I'd gone through that as a leader and having to make those sort of decisions. And that, and that was really tough. The other one, which I would say was, was reasonably tough is, is um, when I had a, uh, my boss um, changed. So probably just over a year ago, my, my boss who'd been with me since I'd started at Dado has um, moved on from the organization and him and I had a relationship of how we worked together and, and, and it, um, had learned how to work together for a um, you know, number of years. Um, and my, my new boss that came in, who's just tremendous, like he's, he's, he's really, um, he's really incredible. And I, I've learned a heck of a lot in the last year from him, but like how we were working together was very different. And I actually began to question myself and, 
and like am I doing this the right way and is you know the, the new way in which the business was operating and I completely get it now and it completely makes sense was different and, and I struggled I really struggled from because I was on a particular track and I needed to move across to a different track um, in order to to drive the business forward so that was um, like I went through sort of ups and downs in that process and we're in a really good spot now but it was probably a, I guess a level of maturity from my side and you, you have a, an ego that gets associated to like I've always done it this way so this, this is what I know this is what I know works and now you're telling me that I've got to change the way in which we we operate um, and yeah I'm, I'm talking extreme there but it's a lot of the time you have to just learn to to swallow your pride and, and adapt and and just take take a, a back seat that's what I did for a couple of months I just I just really took a back seat and, and relaxed a little bit and just just watched it all play out and I it allowed me to just calm down and I wouldn't get so emotional about decisions and two months may seem like a long time but in the grand scheme of things it's, it's not very long um, and, and I actually was able to come back in re, re-adapt my my strategy and how that was more aligned with the corporate strategy and and move forward and, and I think I've done that successfully now but that was it was, it was challenging so it's, it's I guess I, if I summarize those two it's change within the organization so change of you you bring two teams together you the team doubles overnight and the other one is the person that you've worked with for a number of years um, moves on and you, you've got to learn to to change the way in which you interact with a, with a new leader as well so those are two that I've, I've struggled with and I'm happy that that I'm still here and, and really feel like I've, I've learned a heck of a lot through that journey as well and, and we'll probably be able to acclimatize faster in the future I think that what you describe are some really significant experiences that a lot of leaders face during their career, which is the moment when you have your expertise challenged by a different way of being. And it's like, what? (laughs) What do you mean? I know best. It's always worked this way. Who are you? Why don't you respect my experience? And uh, it's, um, it puts us in survival mode and we can be very difficult to work with when that happens. And it can be very deflating if we don't have authority to, to work within that. So it, and it is sobering experience. But yeah. the growth that you experienced through that was realizing that, well, I have this way and it's worked and they're, oh my word, there might be other ways that are also good. Mm. And oh my God, could be even better. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And like another impact, just, just thinking um, about it is, is you've got to remember as the leader, you're the pilot flying the plane mm. everyone's when when, when the, that little there's a bit of turbulence you're waiting for the pilot to come on and tell you everything's okay uh, everyone's looking at you as, as the sales leader or the business leader when you're going through turbulence and change and I knew myself and uh, like I was I was struggling to compose myself in a way that I was um I was that calm collected pilot that made sure everyone feel calm and collected and move on sort of thing and I was letting my emotions be seen and, and you have to you have to really be strong in that situation because everyone else in the business is, is looking to you for are we safe are we not sort of thing so that was that was something which i've, I've learned and you know some of my team would come and say to me look you just need to be cognizant that uh, people are looking up to you and if they see you a bit wobbly then um that's going to make them wobbly so i guess that's a lesson learned as well is really really try to to maintain that that, that clear head how do you, like, and that's really hard to do when you're carrying the weight of the organization on your shoulders as, as point person, how do you um, reboot? Because that's a lot, can be a lot of pressure. I mean, particularly through something like a pandemic where everything we knew got turned upside down. How do you get rebooted? How do you get refreshed through something like this? Mm. And I think it's, it's, it's something like this, but it's also, I mean, this is, 
very obvious we were in a pandemic and everything is everyone is working from home and everything's different and you can identify like what it is but i think it's also like the impact of if you're not careful of what could come of this is is very similar to to what happens when you get burnt out you're you're on the same track for a long period of time and you don't have a differentiation between sort of work and home life where you don't put enough exercise into your life where you don't have a break from from work and you don't have a divide in terms of like this is work at the end of the day i also need to have other areas of my life that i i invest in as well and i've come close to burning out a couple of times so um i've learned through that history which i think has enabled me to be more get through this a little bit easier that it's it is really important to um, have a differentiation it's difficult to get there but uh, have a differentiation and, and detach yourself from from working from the busy life um, and and also just think like what's the worst that can happen in this situation it's it's very rarely tied to life or death um, and if something goes wrong then you most likely will be able to pick it up in the morning um, so one thing is just appreciating that it's not it's not that bad um, and go for a walk um, I'm really lucky I live in Bondi Beach so I go for you know, walks to, you know, do the coastal walk. I was out for a swim this morning and yesterday, and I really try every single day to get out and do some sort of exercise. Not necessarily breaking a sweat, but I, I like to go for a, a walk, a swim, grab a coffee, and also look at the bright side of the situation. Like, yes, it, it's it's not ideal. I, I miss a team and, and that sort of thing, but I'm not commuting. So that's a benefit of this situation. I, I, I have that two hours a day where I typically am getting ready and, and commuting to invest in myself, either cooking or, or sports of some sort. And for me, it's about like having, having different areas of your life that you can achieve something, whether it's a sport, a new skill, a music, a musical instrument. Like I'm, I'm cooking at the moment, doing a different cuisine every single week. And it's great. What's the theme this week? This, this week was, uh, was Spain and we did, uh, we did tapas and paella last night. Very nice. So I've never cooked it before. So I've, I've got a new skill under and I've got my documentation of all my, my menus that I can go back to and all of the ingredients that you buy something and you never use it again. I, now I can, <laughs> I can go back and, and, and repeat them. But um, th- I think that's important is, um, is to make sure that you've got those different areas of your life that you can you know, run in parallel to your work and, and make sure that you're staying calm and collected. And then just on the other side, I know we, we had a, a, a brief chat about biohacking. I'm a believer in, in meditation as well. I think that that helps you to stay calm and collected and have a clear head and, and just looking at ways in which you can invest in your, your mental health as well. It's super important. And I think that there's such a blend in terms of work and life that it's, it's difficult to do that. So, so really just being cognizant that you, you need to put measures in place to, to protect yourself. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's, that's hopefully a little bit of a, a summary for you. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I'm curious about how you go about developing your leadership thinking. Do you read a lot? Do you listen to podcasts? Is it something that you actively pursue or is it through experience? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I do pursue it. So m- multiple. So the ones that you mentioned above, yeah, I listen to a number of podcasts. So Tim Ferriss and Joe Rogan are, are two two ones which I, I listen to and I've obviously got yours now as well, which I've... Which is the best one, of course. It's the best one. That's favorites. That's front front in mind when I open up Spotify every day now. So yes, um, I will buy a, a good book and and read it. Uh, I, I like some of the business development books and and a lot of the facts where I feel like I'm learning something. Um, so I do what's, that. What's a recent one? Sorry to interrupt. I'm curious now. Like I love a good book recommendation. Is there one that sort of stands out for you? That's like yeah, that was Ace book. 
I've read it a couple of times now, but one of my favorite books, which I keep coming back to, and it, it helps to solidify like my beliefs on, on like running my team is, um, is the book Legacy by James Kerr, which is the leadership book, which he talks about how he's, um, how the Allbacks have successfully built, not just a, a team, but a really an empire. Um, and, and, it's, and it talks about the core kind of rules and morales that they've got in that team, which help them to drive forward um, so things like sweep the shed, everyone's got to sweep the shed at the end of the day. It doesn't matter if you're the, you know, the most highly paid captain in the world, you've still got to go there. No one's bigger than the team, follow the arrowhead. So there's a number of, of um, rules that, that I, I liken like kind of my leadership style to in, in reading that book. Um, and then there's, a, there's another book, there's a, a development group called EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System, um, which a number of our, our partners are are engaged with at the moment and it's a consulting engagement but there's a book that they, they've written called traction and that's a, a really good book for helping to put a framework and a model in place to to get your entire leadership team working in unity to drive results as well um so there's some really good tips in that book it's called traction is that publicly available yeah it's publicly available okay. um it's, it's it's on it's on uh amazon and, and i got some really good tips from that as well uh, and then also like i've been fortunate um myself and um, I've had my, my new boss, Sanjay, who, who is just an incredible leader, has, has, uh, has signed off on a, an executive coach for me as well. So every month or so, I have a sit down with an hour with, a, with an exec coach and we just talk and brainstorm. And he's just provided me with a, a business strategy framework tool called Hoshin, H-O-S-H-I-N, which I am in the process of designing and, and our, our um, revised business strategy plan for the rest of 2020 and it's really good framework so again there's, there's multiple ways like I love trying to get better and business and sales is a little bit like golf that like you can always hit the, the ball closer to the hole um, so just keep keep practicing and looking in, in different areas to, to develop but yeah I really appreciate the time I have with my, my coach now he's helped just giving me a couple of nuggets um, in terms of just thinking of, of how to do things as well that's awesome I don't think leadership is like golf at all. Like golf is like emotional <laughs> torture. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, well, maybe maybe sales. Sales is a bit like golf. Like you, you, you can always do better. You can always sell more. You can always you can always lower your score in golf, sort of thing. You can always get a better score on the on the quota board. But yeah, maybe a few more dimensions in. in I d I think golf and I think tantrums. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I I've seen. Um, tantrums and sales as well so <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah. James this has been awesome I've really enjoyed our conversation and getting an insight into your world and how you go about building an enterprise in a whole new country that's amazing uh, so thanks for sharing no thank you very much it's, it's been great really appreciate the time Zoe hey that was a fun interview I really enjoyed James's company and his insights about his experience what I've found in him is a like-minded peep, somebody who's interested in learning and growing and developing as a leader and is committed to helping others succeed. And those are the best kind of leaders, those who are curious and compassionate and earnest in what they're attempting to do and are all people-oriented. I loved it. And if you loved it too, please share. I'd love to help more people discover great stories like James's. In the meantime, live well, lead well.